Father, we thank you for the privilege that you give us every hour of every day, of every minute, and even every second, to call upon you. You said you hear the cries of your children. And you said when we call upon you, you would answer us. Lord, we ask your will to be done. We do pray for Miss Pauline tonight. And Lord, if there's any blockages or something there, I pray that you'd reveal it to the doctor, that they might be able to help her. Thank you for getting her the help she needed this morning. Be with Larry and his family. We pray for Mac tonight and his speaking, that you would just bless him. Father, we thank you for he and Sandra and what they mean to us and what they do here. Pray now for the reading of your word, that you'd speak to our hearts. And we'll thank you and praise you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Verses 35 through 42. This portion of God's Word has to do with Jesus' first uh, converts, uh, his uh, beginning his ministry. And so we will begin in John's Gospel 1, beginning with verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood and two of his disciples. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto him, What are you looking for? And they said unto him, Rabbi, where are you living? He said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. You may be seated. You remember, um, and further on, that the Lord looked at Peter and said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. As Jesus began his public ministry, we know, according to the Scripture, that John said, i got to decrease. i got to slowly move over. Now, he didn't say, I'm quitting. He said, I'm slowly got to move over to give room um, for Jesus, to make room for him. John was a forerunner. He was to prepare the way. Is this thing too loud? Hello? Sound like to me it's too loud. It is a little loud. Thought it was a ringing between the antennas. John directs his disciples. This is John's disciples. He said, "Now, guys, listen. You've been following me. You've allowed me to baptize you, and now it's time for me to turn you over to the Master." 
How many of us, and I'm, I'm talking about me, how many of us, when we lead somebody to Jesus and disciple them and help train them in the ways of God's holy word, would say to them, okay, I'm going to turn you over to the Lord. Not many of us, would we? We wouldn't say that because we don't want to turn them completely loose. However, as we explain to them, you know, hey, you've accepted Christ. It's my responsibility to disciple you in the ways of the Lord. A baby cannot feed itself. It doesn't know how. It cannot dress itself. It doesn't know how. And when a person is first saved, they need to be taught how to eat from God's holy word. And so John is simply saying, okay, uh, I'm going to turn you over to follow Jesus. Now, uh, the word again in verse 35 is also back there in verse 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith unto him, Behold the Lamb of God, who is going to take away the sins of the world. The sins of the world, meaning of the people who are in the world. We're all sinners. Hey, the bottom line, none of us can say, I'm not a sinner. Oh, I've done good today, I haven't sinned. The Bible says that if we make that statement that we are a liar, and that the truth, and the truth is Jesus, does not live in us. And if we name the name of Jesus, if we've been saved, Christ lives within us through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, it took obedience to give up being popular, as John was. I mean, droves of people were going out into the wilderness where he was preaching and being baptized. I mean, he really, really had a following. Now, you know, he, was, he wasn't in competition with Jesus. And, you know, I think about, well, myself, okay? I'm not in competition with any pastor in this county. Thank goodness I'm not jealous of a one of them. I'm not jealous of this spot right here. If a man tells me he's been saved and God's called him to preach, then, okay, I want to see. Somebody has to give somebody a chance. John could have told those disciples that were following him, I'm not sure about this guy. I mean, he just walked in on the scene here, and you don't really have to follow him if you don't want to. He could have said that. But he knew his job, being the cousin of Jesus, having arrived in this world physically just prior to Jesus, he knew what his job was. In fact, the Holy Spirit of God told his parents what his job would be in other words, they were telling the parents, now don't get in the boy's way. Train him up, but don't get in his way when he moves out. And his hair gets long. And he dresses up weird. Don't get in his way if he is following Jesus. Now, the servants, um, the Lord came not only as Jesus in person... But he came, he said, to serve and not to be served. Sometimes people come into our church and they want to know, well, what can your church do for me? Well, 
We can do a lot of things for you, but what are you going to do for us? Really, we shouldn't say for us. We should say, what are you going to do with us? We are a team. We are a family. And as we adopt you into our family, we want you to be a part of what God is doing here. All right? So, John bore witness of Jesus. There's no doubt there. Um, he did not unload certain uh, amounts of information uh, to lead others to become a believer, but his, his idea was to simply share that people need to repent and be baptized. And when Jesus came, the same story. That's what I love about the Bible. We don't have to contradict the Bible. The Bible does not contradict itself. People might say, well... The Bible says that Jesus, the Son of Man, had nowhere to lay his head. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but he has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't show them where he was laying his head. He just showed them where he was dwelling on that day. And they stayed with him during that, that one day. They said, where do you dwell? You know, hey, where are you hanging out? Let me show you where I'm hanging out, okay? Here's where I'm hanging out. They hung out a lot of different places. Okay, so when we think about that, I want us to think about tonight is family evangelism. Family evangelism. It's the hardest part of evangelism you will ever experience, I promise you. Now, what am I saying? If you, is your, in your family, if you have a lost brother, sister, mother, daddy, cousin, it is tough and hard to witness to them. They don't want to listen to you a lot of times. So family evangelism. I think about it this way. What would it be like, okay? Let's suppose, well, let's suppose I'm lost, all right? And my sister's saved, and she knows that I'm lost. And she never comes and never says anything to me about the Lord. And then one day she stands at the casket and looks down and wonders, wonder where my brother is. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you may experience that. I want you to understand that the, that the, that Jesus started out with family. Now, so answer the question in your own heart and mind. Do you have a lost family member? If the answer is yes, then the next thing, have you actually personally, your own self, sat down with that family member and talked to them about being saved? Now listen. If you have not, the Bible says their blood is on your hands. How are you going to get it off? If you don't witness to them out of a heart of love, you'll go to your grave with their blood on your hands. You see, it's so important to get our family ready. What's that title of that song, Mark? Will there be something other uh, broken... Huh? Will the circle be unbroken? It's very possible. If we don't do our part to witness, at least share the Word with our family. You know, we think, oh, i got plenty of time. Sometimes we as Christians, we think just like the lost people. Lost people say, oh, i got plenty of time to get saved. And we say, oh, i got plenty of time to share Jesus. Okay? Now, I'll be honest with you, I have I had a cousin It was, he and I were two weeks apart in age. 
spent a lot of time with him, his boys. We spent the night, played. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if he's saved or not. He worked all week in Atlanta, Georgia, got in his car, headed home on Friday night and was killed, run off the road and was killed. Don't know. It's a serious thing. Now, for somebody who's already gone, what can I do? If I didn't witness to him, all I can do is say, God, please forgive me of my sins. He says when we ask him, he will forgive us of our sins. It's not easy. We can only hope and put our faith and our trust in the Lord. But family evangelism means to publicize the gospel to our family members. So first of all, we, we think about family evangelism, we think about faithfulness of the witness. The faithfulness of the witness. Um, I forget which, which uh, young man in our church says to me, my daddy's lost. My daddy's in the hospital, and I have got to witness to him. I've got to go today. He went. He witnessed. His daddy was saved, and his daddy died not far after that. You see, it's important. God speaks to your heart. Don't sit back and say, oh, I just... The devil, listen, like I said earlier, the, the hardest people to witness to is our family. And the devil has fixed it that way. Say, oh, they know you. They're not going to listen to you. They never have listened to you. Why don't you listen now? But the way you get that blood off your hands is to go and share. If you don't say nothing, but hey, do you know Jesus? Have you, or is everything all right between you and Jesus? Well, you have to go by the Word. If they say, hey, don't worry about me. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Well, ain't nothing else you could do. You have made, you have made an attempt. And it's better than not making no attempt at all. So the faithfulness of the witness. Verse 36, John says, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, behold, look, yonder he come. I told you he was coming. Because John said, There is one coming whose shoelaces I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. And all of a sudden, he's saying, Behold, here he comes. We have a vision of the witness, a vision. When he's, he's looking and he sees. And at that very point, John could have said, I'm not sure that's him. Let me check and see. Uh -uh, he recognized him right off. Behold, the Lamb of God. He didn't say, That's my cousin. <laughs> you know, behold, the Lamb of God. Mary didn't necessarily say, hey, this is my son. Hey, this is the one you need to listen to. Whatever he asks you, Mary said, whatever he asks you to do, do it. You'll be better off just to do it. We see the vision of the witness. He saw him come. We see the value of the witness in verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. Just by hearing him speak. The magnetism. That family member may not pay you any attention, you think, but after you've gone, after you've made that witness, they'll remember you coming. They will. They will remember you coming. There should be no question about our salvation. If we're saved, hey, don't let the devil say, well, you know, your family member probably won't believe you if you tell them you've gotten saved. Probably won't remember it. 
But don't let him deter you from being that witness to your family member that you need to be. The vision, the value, but if we talk about the faithfulness of this witness, uh, we see the venture of the witness. Look at verse 38. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And he saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. Come and see. He wanted them to know where he was dwelling. It wasn't a secret. Even though the Bible says that the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head, we want to know where you're hanging out today. We just want to come and hang out with you. Some of our greatest programs in school today is this thing called shadowing. Hey, they didn't have that when I was in schools, I recall. Shadowing. Get with somebody who's doing what you think you'd like to do and see if that's what you would like to do. Shadowing. But do you realize that we may be, without even knowing it, shadowing or our family members shadowing us without even knowing it? Watching us. That's to see what we're going to do. We see family evangelism, not only the faithfulness of the witness, we must be faithful to it. But secondly, the, the following of the two disciples. Again, we look at verse 39. The second part of that verse says, They came and saw where he dwelt, and he abode with him a day, for it was about the tenth hour. And as we look at this, we see obedience. He said, come and see. The Bible says, they came. They didn't study about it. They came. The invitation uh, was from Jesus is always to come. You won't find anywhere in the Scripture where he says, get away from me. We find one time where Peter said, Jesus, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But you don't see where Jesus said, Peter, because of your sin, I'm going to back off of you. You don't see that. We see obedience. They came. We see the opening of their eyes. It says in that verse, they saw. They saw a place where he was. Um, Jesus wants to give us spiritual insight. Spiritual insight. I've shared some of this with you uh, before. How I witnessed to this a particular man many, many, many times, and, and the Lord just said, you've you got to do it one more time. Lord, I have done it all. I've tried everything. And it was like a brand new, have you tried this? No, I hadn't. And I did, and he did. It's amazing. You know, we think, well, I've done everything I know to do. It's, it's out of my hands now. But if God prods us to do do it one more time, Go do it one more time. So you won't be standing at the casket, wringing your hands, and saying, oh, if I'd have just obeyed the Lord one more time. Well, the opening of their eyes, the obedience of them, but the following of these, uh, these two disciples was an opportunity. Let's look at these verses again. Um, they came, they saw, and they dwelt. And look what it says. And abode with him... That day. Can you imagine just one day? Just being with him one day. But can you imagine as Christians when we leave this world that we're going to be with him forever? They, they were just looking, hey, they were happy to, to be, just to be with him one day. Jesus said, come. 
And then he said to go and tell. It's amazing there that, uh, that John, the Baptist here, uh, not only said, this is he of whom I've been telling you about, but then he says, I want you to follow him. Now, what do you think John did? I don't think he quit. I think he kept on preaching and teaching and winning people and pointing them in the direction of Jesus. So, the faithfulness of the witness, the following of the, of the witness, <clears throat> but if you keep on witnessing, you're going to see the fruitfulness of the witness. The Lord's not going to um, let our witnessing be thrown away for nothing. We may not think we're getting through to that person, okay? But every word is a seed planted. Every word is a little water on the seed. And at the right time, if we're faithful, the Bible says, and God gives the increase. Lynn would tell you that her daddy in those early days of our lives was lost. And he admitted that he was lost. And I guess in our family, that was the hardest person to witness to. And every time I was with him, just, just he and me, I knew I mean, God was just constantly twisting. You need to talk to him. You need to ask him. Again, the devil's saying, hey, you make him mad, boy. You make him mad. You've had it. But I kept on. I kept on. And I, and, and I just, I mean, hey, I just talked to him plain. And before he was, before he passed on, he was saved. And he went, we had already moved up in Oconee County in those days. And he told his pastor there at Hopeful Church in Anderson, he said, if you don't care, I want my son-in-law to baptize me. <laughs> We'd done a lot of things together, but that was the height of it all. The fruitfulness of the witness. Now, I want to tell you something. Hey, spring's coming, Lord willing. It may snow tonight. It may snow tomorrow. Shut down the whole county. But spring, unless Jesus comes, is coming. Okay? Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but I would love to. Spring, when it gets warm, I would love to us to have a Sunday service up on the river. Bring your baskets of groceries and have a baptism on the river. Now, listen, many of you have boats and, and some of you may have a yacht. I don't know, but you... You might have a pontoon. Uh, but what would you do if you had a buddy out there and you all were fishing? You know he's lost. You say, well, I'm, I'm afraid to whiff to Well, one thing about it, he ain't going nowhere. He, huh? He can't run from him. And so what if you witnessed to that buddy and they got saved and they said, I would love for you to baptize me. Do you realize, as a Christian now, hear me, as a saved person, you are qualified to baptize that person. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? To come in from fishing 
and hear some of the buddies saying, did y'all catch anything? So, man, I caught the biggest fish I have ever caught. And then to get your boat tied up and get it out of the way and you two walk out there in the water and you say, I baptize thee in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and just duck him down right there in front of your fishing buddies. That'd be, a, that'd be an awesome testimony. You can do it. But we've got to plant the seed. We've got to water. And at the right time, God will give the increase. Look at verse 41 and 42. Okay. Excuse me. Let's go to verse 40. One of the two who heard him speak and followed him was old Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, I know you, you're Simon. Your daddy was Jonah. And he said, from now on I'm going to call you Cephas. Because what I see in you is solid rock. A stone. A stone of salvation. A stone of of trusting, a stone of obedience, a stone that will never give up, a stone that's set for eternity. Jesus is the chief corner stone. Now, this is probably crazy to you, but if it wasn't for that corner back there, would you think these walls would stand without a corner? Hey, they've got to have a corner. Now, I built a lot of walls, and then some of those walls were just straight, no corners. You know what we did? We put braces up on each side. I remember a job in Greer. My daddy and me had laid block all day long on what used to be called 7-Eleven stores. Three walls. We only got one up that day. Propped her up good and went home. Come back the next morning, it was laying on the ground. Blocks scattered all over the place. What in the world? I said, they must have had a terrible storm here. There's a house right above where we were. There's an older man sitting on the porch. He said, I walked around looking. He said, son, got a problem, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, I can tell you about your problem. He said, about midnight last night I heard a racket and I looked and there was a four-wheel drive Jeep out there that's a-rearing on your wall. If we build a wall in the name of Jesus, he'll hold it up. But if it's that wall between you and a family member, he can also move it out of the way. we got to be willing to be a witness to our family. We see the duty here. We, we think about the, uh, the fruitfulness of this witness. The discovery was made that, oh, Andrew, he picked up on it. Hey, I got a brother, man. Can't you see him flying home? Hey, you got to come quick. I have, I have met the Messiah. You got to come. And he comes. We see the discovery made. We see the duty has been done. He invited. He encouraged him to come. And we see a declaration there where it says in verse 42, A 
capital A, stone. Jesus is the stone. He is the cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the stone, the Bible says, that the builders rejected. You know, I lay a lot of rock. I still lay rock. And somebody said, well, how do you fit those things in? Well, usually I just pick up one and I'll look at the best side that I want to show and then I'll start walking down my wall to see where that boy fits in. And I find a spot, I'll mortar him in good. Go pick up another one. Just like putting a puzzle together. God wants to put us together. We don't all fit. In, in, in the right spot sometimes. So we have to keep on till we find it. Keep on witnessing to the family members, y'all. You don't want any regrets when the time comes and it's too late for them to speak to you. But remember, if you've ever said anything to them, just nothing else, name the name of Jesus in their presence, you, you did something. You rang somebody's bell. But don't forget, while our family is living, it's time to talk to them. It's not easy. It's tough. But you'll be so blessed and you'll be so thankful that you did. Family evangelism. Father, thank you for the evening. Thank you for these who have gathered here today. Lord, we just ask you to be in the invitation time. Lord, if there's anybody, maybe they just need to come to the altar and ask God to uh, ask you to forgive them, Lord. Maybe uh, situations have happened and they've done what they could, but they feel like they could have done more. Uh, you're in the forgiving business. And God, I thank you that you are. Because as I think about my cousin, Lord, I don't know where he is. And I can't do a thing to change it. And I just ask you to forgive me. Bless the homes that are represented in here tonight. Thank you for our, having our youth with us in here tonight. Bless their lives. Help them to be that witness at school to their friends while they have the opportunity. God, we'll love you and thank you for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.